Hello and welcome to the In Squash Podcast, episode 240 uh, today. And this is an episode that I've been looking forward to for quite some time now. I've always wanted to have this uh, this man on, and uh, this was an absolute pleasure and one of the best episodes we've had. Uh, we've had quite a few uh, lately, but this ranks right up there. Kareem Darwish, uh, the Dark Prince, former world number one, currently the vice president of the World Squash Federation, and he's spearheading the the Wadi Douglas Squash Academies that are growing uh, all throughout uh, Egypt. And what a great pleasure it was to have him uh, on the podcast. Uh, one of my favorite players uh, during that generation of players where there were so many, uh, so much talent and so many different uh, world number ones during a sort of a relatively short period of time. Now, Kareem, since he retired in 2017, uh, he's had a lot uh, on his plate Um uh, including coaching the likes of uh, such players as world number one Ali Farag, uh, spear, as I mentioned, spearheading the Wadi Degel Squash Academies uh, that have made tremendous growth and we talk about a junior tournament that uh during this uh during the podcast that he was involved with with I think close to 900 entrants absolutely amazing a 900 entrance in a junior tournament there that he uh, was uh, organizing through the Wadi Degla academies and now uh, Kareem's also uh, working hard in his role as the vice president of the World Squash Federation so plenty on his plate and I really appreciate his time that he gave to the podcast today now today uh, just in terms of what we talked about we talked at length and I could not let this opportunity go uh, talked at length about his playing career and as I mentioned, during a generation that was uh, just so deep with talent, you had guys like, uh, obviously, Kareem. Uh, Amr Shabana, the first Egyptian to reach world number one, then followed shortly after by Kareem. Uh, David Palmer, Jonathan Power, Peter Nickel, John White, Thierry Linku, Lee Beachel, James Wilstrup, and then uh, shortly thereafter came along uh, uh, Mohamed El Sherbagi, Rami Ashour, all of these guys uh, Kareem had battles with and we talk about those playing days with him and, and that really uh, uh, just an amazing chat about uh, playing during that generation and we get into a deeper chat with respect to uh, Rami Ashour and his unparalleled talents and he talks about uh, the matches that he played against Rami. Uh, then we also talk about the Wadi Degla Squash Academy which uh, and Wadi Degla which is where uh, the best uh, players in the world are playing right now. I mean we talk about uh, a lot about the great coaches that are out there obviously you've got uh, Rodney Martin, Rob Owen but you've got to say something about uh, what's going on in Egypt. Obviously there's so much talent over there and there has to be a tremendous amount of coaching talent as well and we talk a fair bit about Wadi Degla and what they've been doing and how they've grown the game and created and developed so many talented players uh, not only at Wadi Degla but and in, in Egypt in general and then also uh, Kareem is fresh off the uh, AGM of the World Squash Federation where he is the vice president and we talk about what they uh, what uh, what was on the agenda there and what came from that meeting and you'll be interested to hear about the exciting initiatives that they have planned going forward for the next couple of years so uh, this was an absolute pleasure pleasure with uh, Kareem Darwish here on 
episode 240. But before we get into that, just want to talk about our sponsor, Open Squash. We just had Cleve uh, Miller, the executive director on, and Open Squash is a New York-based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable to everyone. And if you uh, hadn't haven't listened to episode 239 with Cleve, I uh, really highly recommend that you do. It's one of the more popular episodes that's out there right now. Uh, one of the ways that Open Squash fulfills uh, this mission is through their Junior Scholarship Fund, which helps support the 25% of juniors, uh, 25% of juniors with financial aid. Uh, we flesh that out on the podcast as well. Uh, Open Squash's primary vision is, of course, growing the game, and they've brought on board several like-minded PSA pros like world number one Ali Farag, Victor Cruin, and Gina Kennedy, amongst others. And right now, uh, for anyone in and around the New York City, there is a Junior Academy holiday party that's going to be taking place on the 15th of December. And also, uh, just before that, U.S. Squash will be uh, having a Junior Bronze event hosted by Open Squash on December 10th. And you can check out both of these events at opensquash.org. Now, here we are. Episode 239, not 240, as I said earlier, 239 with the Dark Prince, Kareem Darwish. All right, Kareem, uh, again, an uh, absolute honor uh, to have you on the podcast. Uh, you um, really thank you uh, for your time. I know you're busy with uh, with everything going on at Wadi Degla. So many, uh, you know, your academy's growing. And um, I think you've got a junior yeah, junior event you were telling me about that's going on at the moment. So just before we get into uh, the podcast, how's life? How are, how's everything going uh, with Kareem Darwish uh, these days? <laughs> yeah, everything, everything's going pretty well uh, these days. I'm pretty busy. Uh, we're now organizing a junior uh, event at, at Waidegla Club with more than uh, 900 uh, junior uh, players uh, competing uh, from the under-11 event to, to the under-19. So uh, it's pretty busy. Uh, we started the, the event on Friday and it's going to go uh, all the way to, uh, to Saturday, to next Saturday. So yeah, we, uh, we have matches uh, starting 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So yeah, like uh, a lot of, uh, of matches going on. And uh, yeah, besides from that, I'm taking care of the, uh, of the, the Squash Academy at, at Degla. Uh, we have now more than 2,500 kids playing at, at, at my academy with the 110 uh, squash courts. So yeah, I'm pretty busy with uh, with everything here in in Cairo. That's uh, that's amazing. So did you did you say 900 juniors playing in this tournament? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Exactly uh, 940. Uh, exactly 940 juniors playing. So that that that's a big number, I think. Yeah, that's a huge number. And you guys obviously know what you're doing. I mean, to have 900 juniors in a squash tournament in terms of a draw, in terms of officials in terms of organization uh, you've got to make sure everything's on the mark don't you yeah of course yeah to, to organize such an event it's not easy but we have the support of the egyptian squash federation uh, with all the referees with all the organizers we, we have the support of uh, way board members as well and uh, we have uh, plenty of uh, of courts av- available for uh, for the event so yeah i, I don't think uh, so far it's, it's going uh, pretty smooth and uh, yeah i hope it uh, goes well till the end yeah and i'm sure i mean i've, I've seen i mean i watch all the the psa squashed as much as i can anyways and it 
every Egyptian event that happens, uh, you always hear the kids uh, in the crowd cheering for their favorite players. It's something that you don't really hear a lot of. So that just in in other countries, I should say. So that should uh, that just speaks to uh, how great the junior program must be over there. But uh, before we uh, sort of get into more of that, I just want, if you don't mind, uh, take a look back at uh, at your tremendous uh, playing career. I mean, obviously, that those are a few years behind you, and probably days go by where you you might forget you've been playing uh, and you play at such a high level. But your former world number one, world open finalist, uh, Qatar uh, Classic winner twice, Hong Kong Open finalist, and dozens of. Uh, PSA titles over the years. So overall, uh, Kareem, um, I mean, how satisfied were you or are you with uh, uh, with that PSA uh, resume, which is so impressive? Well, uh, looking back to, to to my career, yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm pretty satisfied with uh, what I've uh, achieved uh, during my uh, my junior career in the beginning, and then my professional squash career, uh, because as a junior. Uh, uh, I dreamed. I dreamt to become uh, the World Junior Champion, and thank God I did that in in the year 2000, uh, winning the World Junior Championship in in Milan. Uh, and after finishing the the junior career, I, I started the dreaming about uh, uh, the professional career, and I just, just wanted to to just hit the, the top ten. And, and then I, it ended uh, to to be staying in the top ten for for more than ten years, and in top five for I think uh, seven years. And then I reached the, the world number one spot in the year uh, 2009. And I think reaching the top of, uh, of the sport, I think this is the, the pinnacle uh, achievement for any, any athlete in any sport, you know, to, to reach the top of the game. I think this is uh, the best, I think, achievement that any uh, athlete can, could dream of. Absolutely. And, and uh, especially when you look at the talent that you had to compete against, uh, it, it's unbelievable. I'm going to go through the list of names. And this is during your generation. Uh, Amr Shabana, Jonathan Power, John White, Thierry Linku, Lee Beachel, James Wilstrup, Peter Nickel, David Palmer, and then even the Mohammed El Sherbagi and Rami uh, Ashour. Those guys came towards the end of your, your playing days. But those guys are all world number ones that you competed against uh, week in and week out during your playing days. Uh, so what was it like during that time uh, playing with so much talent uh, and with the draws that obviously uh, were so deep? You know, I, I feel so proud, you know, to be able to compete with, uh, with this, uh, uh, list of, this list of names, you know, like every, every one of them is, is a legend by himself, you know, uh, like uh, all the names that you have mentioned, they are all legends. They have uh, achieved a lot in uh, in, in their squash career and uh, yeah to to be able to compete and uh, to stay on in top 10 and top 5 and to be uh, uh, world number 1 one day with uh, with, with these players uh, on the list i think uh, it's uh, i'm so proud to to be able to to to, de- to make this achievement and uh, yeah i think um, it, there was like a, a mixture of uh, of talent and hard work and uh, like uh, uh, and on and off court they were very respectful uh, uh, Athletes and I was so proud, you know, to uh, to uh, to compete against them and to to, to be their uh, their colleagues uh, in the in the PSA uh, tour. Yeah, definitely. It, it was such an exciting time. I mean, you never knew uh, on any, in any given week. I mean, there were always guys who were hot, like you know, Peter was hot, then JP was hot, and and then Johnny White got hot, and Thierry got mm-hmm. hot. 
you got hot, Amber got hot, everyone got hot. But uh, out, of, uh, out of those players, I mean, talk about a couple whom you you had some tremendous battles with. Like I know, uh, you know, you and Amber obviously have a, a bit of a history because you're, you know, friends and competed against uh, one another for a long time. Uh, but who was the guy that you found maybe uh, particularly uh, difficult to play uh, over that over those years? Well, I think uh, without <laughs> without thinking much, I think uh, it's it's Rami Ashur. You know, uh, playing against Rami is something uh, very unique, and he has a, a very unique uh, technique, very unique uh, tactics on court. And uh, yeah, uh, competing against him, I think uh, it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't easy at all. And uh, yeah. Though I, uh, yeah, I beat him like a few times, but uh, to, to to be able to compete him uh, in, in the top level, I think when he's on form, I think he's the toughest player uh, to beat. But yeah, again, he's, uh, he's such an, a very nice uh, person uh, on and off court, and was uh, I had so much pleasure, you know, to, to compete uh, to compete against him, and especially in this match in the, the World Open final in 2008, where he was uh, on fire and he, he got he got the win. In four, yeah. but uh, again, uh, uh, playing against him is, was such an honor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he what he brought to the table uh, in terms of his squash was, you know, something that we really hadn't seen before. Just the way that you know everyone has their own style uh, of play. You had your own unique style, Jonathan, Peter, uh, everybody did. But Rami brought something a little bit different. Talk talk a little bit about that. I mean, you obviously were witness to it. You saw him do what he did as a junior, and then obviously. You know, knew that he was coming uh, uh, for for number one uh, pretty soon after he hit the the pro uh, tour. So, what was it about sort of his style that made him uh, so much different than everybody else? Well, uh, only only God can answer this uh, this question. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's so gifted. I, I don't I don't recall Rami uh, ever had a personal coach with him. Uh, he's never he has never had. Personal coach, he was always going on court by himself, uh, uh, trying to, um, to to try different uh, skills, different shots, uh, and he he has brought to the game a lot, you know, uh, in squash without without uh, having anyone to to give him any lessons or something. He was, he was so 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 gifted and uh, uh, just went on court for four or five hours a day, trying to to, to find uh, new uh, techniques, yeah, new. Uh, uh, grip. So yeah, he was he was so gifted. This is what, what I can say about about Rami. Yeah, I guess I guess he probably got a fair bit of that uh, sort of uh, ability to to try new things from his older brother. I mean, he 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 was probably the maybe arguably the best out there at being innovative uh, or spontaneous, like doing things in the moment on the court. He would he would try just about anything. So. Uh, Rami had more, maybe a little bit more structure uh, to his game. Would you agree with that? Of course, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, Hisham, his, his his elder brother, his uh, he's so talented as well. But I think uh, Rami was much more disciplined uh, when it comes to the the, the, the training routine and to uh, the competition and to to all all these stuff. I think uh, Hisham was was so gifted, but uh, yeah, Rami. Uh, has taken this this gift to to to, to another level, and uh, yeah, he has done a lot, you know, to the game and to himself. And I think, yeah, he's, he should be proud of uh, what he's done. Yeah, he's a good singer too. I like it. He he sings well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he started again in, in in singing, and yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's doing a good, a good job now in Egypt as well in in, in singing. 
Uh, it's totally different career, of course, totally different uh, uh, atmosphere and environment. But yeah, he's, he's, so far, he's doing well. Yeah, he's got the right personality for it. He's such a nice guy and such a charismatic uh, person. And, uh, you know, it's hard not to, uh, you know, uh, hard not to like him. He's such a, a great character. But uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, when Amr Shaban, he became the first ever Egyptian number one in uh, 2006. And then shortly thereafter, it was you, the second the Egyptian number one. So I'm just wondering, uh, uh when he became number one and you guys were close and you're, you had some great matches over the years, how did that uh, impact your game going forward after he became number one in the world? Well, you know, a lot of people maybe don't know that, but uh, but me and, and, and Amr, we, we used to train a lot together. Even where when we were number one and two in the world, we were training, I think we were training daily together, whether uh, fitness, whether squash and uh, we're in very good terms, and uh, we used to, to live uh, in front of each other, uh, uh, like our buildings was, was in front of each other, and uh, we used to go uh, to the club uh, together every day, and we, we used to train together. And when he reached uh, world number one, I think uh, everybody was expecting that, uh, that Amr uh, was so gifted, but after he finished uh, school and university, I think he, he focused uh, 100% in, in his squash career. And uh, yeah, I think everyone was expecting that... Uh, Amr will will be a top player one day, but that was a bit uh, uh, later. Uh, and in 2006, when he reached uh, world number one, I think uh, it was something very, very big in Egypt that mm-hmm. an Egyptian uh, reached uh, the top of the game. Uh, it, w- it was huge. Like before that, we had uh, Barada, but he, he has never reached world number one. But to have an Egyptian uh, in, in the top spot, I think was huge. And it gave me a lot of... Uh, of motivation and a lot of uh, encouragement that uh, that I, I also can can be world number one. I can also be uh, a top player and uh, yeah. And I think uh, thank to, to to Amr because he gave me a lot of experience and a lot of motivation uh, to be able to uh, to reach that spot again. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, the two of you were were fighting for that number one position all this and at the same time uh, helping each other, which is uh, you know a lot can be learned from that. I think that's really yeah. cool. Uh, now, you, you did mention Amr uh, Ahmed Barada, who was, uh, again, another electrifying uh, Egyptian squash player. Uh, he didn't quite get to world number one, but he was one of the guys who you always wanted to watch play. It was going to be exciting. He had a really a unique, again, a unique brand of squash. And, uh, you know, I live here in the UAE and uh, a lot of people know about squash these days, but people who only know squash by name I'd ask them, so I'd say, oh, yeah, I play squash. Oh, and they will say, oh, yes, Ahmed Barada, right? They'll, they'll mention his name or sometimes your name, right? They, they don't really know who who's out there at number one right now. But uh, talk about just uh, briefly, because he was such a charismatic guy as well. Uh, what impact did uh, Ahmed uh, Barada have on your, on your game growing up? Because you would have been a junior, uh, obviously young guy, as he was making his uh, mark in the game. You know, uh, uh, growing up at uh, at uh, at Maadi Club, I, I grew up at, at Maadi Club where Barada was playing as well. We, we I used to to, to watch him uh, like on a daily basis. Uh, when I was uh, maybe sixteen or seventeen, I used to go on court with him and uh, we played some conditional games uh, together. And he was uh, he was so helpful uh, and to, he gave me a lot of experience in uh, in my game during the, the my early uh, career. And uh, growing up, uh, watching him at the 
at the pyramids and the Ahram tournament. Uh, it was the first ever uh, professional squash event in Egypt. And uh, he was the only uh, hero at, at that time. And we used to go uh, all together, all, all friends at, at the club. And we used to go and, uh, and watch him and cheer for him. And it was something uh, huge. I can't, I can't uh, forget this, uh, these moments, you know, when we used to go to the Al-Ahram and, uh, and cheer for Barada. I think it gave us a lot of motivation, a lot of, uh, of encouragement, you know, that, uh, okay, there's, there is an Egyptian that reached that, uh, that far. So why not? We can also reach, uh, reach that far. So I think yeah he he played a huge uh, uh, role in in our in, in all our career I think as a, as a players. I can remember those matches. Uh, they 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 used to have them uh, tape delayed on, on the TV and uh, the matches in Egypt and the crowds that re- it it's you know crazy. Uh, like you see the good crowds there in Egypt at all the events, but during those events, like the people, the you know the the spectators, they they'd have flags going and cheering, and it was really uh, amazing. Uh, what uh, an amazing atmosphere! So you were probably in amongst the crowd during that uh, time, were you? Yeah, I was there. I <laughs> I, I, I remember when he won the, the World Junior Championship uh, in 1994. I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. I, I went to the airport and uh, waited for him uh, when he came back from uh, New Zealand after, the, after he won the World Junior Championship. And uh, it was one of my dreams that uh, uh, to hold this, uh, this trophy one day. And yeah, thank God, maybe uh, six or seven years later, I became uh, the World Junior Champion I, uh, and I held this, uh, this trophy uh, by myself. Amazing, uh, amazing look back. I mean, I, I could talk for hours about your 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 days playing, uh, but I want to get into Wadi Degla and what you're doing now in terms of growing the game. Because as you know, uh, you were just at the AGM. Uh, growing the game is a big, big thing right now for squash. We're sort of on a little, little bit of a precarious uh, situation in terms of growth. But uh, you know, Wadi Degla is not having a, a big issue in terms of growth. So for people, uh, people, everyone sort of who watches Squash TV might, they've obviously heard the name Wadi Degla, but can you uh, just sort of summarize uh, what the club is for everybody just to familiarize uh, the club? Hmm. Yeah, Wadi Degla is the, is the first uh, private uh, club in Egypt. Like uh, all clubs in Egypt is, um, is, is owned by the government, but Wadi Degla was the only uh, private club that is owned by uh, shareholders. And uh, I was lucky to be playing for Wadi Degla uh, uh, starting uh, uh, 2006. And I reached world number one at Wadi Degla as a player. And after I, I, uh, I retired in 2014, uh, they gave me an offer to, uh, to take care of the, of the squash uh, program there and the squash academy. And uh, I've been there for, uh, for 10 years now. And uh, we've done a lot of, uh, of successful uh, achievements uh, together, me and Wadi Degla. Uh, we have the the biggest squash academy in the world. I think we have 2,500 kids uh, playing at at uh, at our academy. Uh, we have nine branches now, not only one. Uh, we have uh, five branches in Cairo, one in Alexandria, uh, one in uh, in different uh, cities in 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 Egypt. We're not focused in Cairo and Alexandria only. We're we're now in Asyut. We're now in Damietta. Mm-hmm. So we're in different uh, cities. Uh, we have uh, in our academy the names of uh, Ranim Uleli, Ali Farag, uh, Nuran Gohar, Hanel Hamami, uh, Mazin Hisha, Mr. Ibrahim. So a lot of uh, of top players are coming from from the academy as well. 
and we have the, the I think the biggest and strongest uh, team uh, in, in in the world, and we won the, the the national league championship for the last seven years consecutively. Wow. So yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, we have maybe 110 squash courts across uh, different branches. So yeah, I think we're pretty, we're doing pretty well, and uh, this is thanks to the, to the the board of directors at Wayne Degla. They're very professional, and I'm so happy to be uh, one of their partners. So they've got they've got uh, you know in terms of the board of directors, they know what they're doing. Uh, they've obviously got some great players, and they've got a great junior program. But in terms of growing the way that you just described it, uh, uh, what in in summary, what do you think the keys are for that for that type of growth? To, to be expanding across the country the way the way you are is that basically just the the names that you have on board uh, all the all the top players in the world are attached to the Wadi Degla brand or is it uh, that's got to be part of it right you know it's it's a, it's a mix of uh, of different uh, aspects you know uh, when you have a professional board uh, supporting you and uh, have uh, your back so uh, and you give you, they give you uh, the trust so you're you're able, you know, to uh, to do a lot of uh, of, uh, of innovations, a lot of uh, different ideas that uh, I think many many other clubs won't give you this the support. Uh, but uh, yeah, and to have uh, all these top players uh, training uh, on a daily basis at, at Waidegla, where all the juniors are are watching uh, these players playing uh, on a daily basis, I think it's all it also helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, to have the best the best. Uh, 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 training programs with the best coaches uh, led by a former world number one. I think it's also something big for uh, for any squash program. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a different aspects and uh, it all go, comes together. And uh, yeah, that's why I think uh, we succeed. Yeah, I just uh, I just had a podcast with the executive director of Open Squash, Cleve Miller. I don't know if you know Cleve. But uh, anyways, I think, and he's sponsoring several Egyptian uh, players, including uh, uh, Ali. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think they have a vision that it's not exactly like this, but I think they've taken maybe a page out of the, the Wadi Degla book in terms of, you know, growing the game and attaching, uh, you know, top players to their, to their growth and to their academies where they're trying to grow it uh, across. Right now it's in New York State, but hopefully uh, across the country. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what they're doing, and uh, I've been following up uh, their uh, their work. And I think uh, they just started, I think, a couple of years ago, and uh, they're doing a very good job in, in New York. And yeah, it's, it's always you know great to have uh, uh, different uh, entities and different organizations that are so uh, supportive for, for for squash. And uh, I think this this is all for for the help of the game and for the for the good of the game. Absolutely. Uh, you've been great with your time, uh, uh, Kareem. I just got a couple more questions for you. Uh, so squash uh, has been fighting and fighting, as you know, for many years to to gain entry into into the into the Olympics, and uh, we're continuing that fight. We're persisting and we're battling on. And uh, I thought it was amazing what you and the Egyptian uh, team did during the Egyptian Open when IOC Chairman uh, Thomas Bach made an appearance and watched, I think it was the semifinal uh, part of it with uh, Ferris and, and Paul Cole there. So if you can just give us a little bit of the backstory uh, of what happened there and uh, what Thomas, uh, what Mr. Bach, I should say, uh, felt about uh, the game and uh, what he saw in the aftermath. 
Uh, yeah, it was it was an unplanned uh, visit, you know, to the to the tournament, and uh, uh, I I just found out that uh, that Mr. Bach is is visiting uh, Cairo and visiting uh, the president of Egypt, you know, to uh, to speak about uh, the opportunity for for Egypt to host uh, the Olympics in uh, 2036. And when I uh, I knew that 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 he's coming uh, to Cairo during uh, at the same time of the Egyptian Open, I spoke to our sports minister and told him that. Uh, uh, I, I know Mr. Bach is visiting uh, Cairo in the next couple of days, so uh, we need we need to to bring him to the to the pyramids to watch the the squash matches and to, to watch the the Egyptian Open at the in the at the pyramids. And thank to the Egyptian minister, uh, sports minister, who uh, who agreed on that, and uh, he he cha- he changed the 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 plan for uh, Mr. Bach, and he uh, he brought him to uh, to the squash event. Uh, he stayed there for maybe. Uh, Ten minutes watching uh, Faris and uh, and Paul, mm-hmm. and I think it was uh, very worth it, you know, to uh, to uh, to showcase the sport in front of him and uh, to uh, to let him uh, see what squash is is all about and uh, that we can put uh, this uh, this glass court uh, uh, in all iconic places uh, around the world and uh, to put it in in front of the pyramids is something I don't think uh, a lot of sports can uh, can do, and uh, I I think he was he was so impressed about. Uh, the event uh, in general and about uh, the athletes and about uh, putting this court in front of the ferns was, was something huge. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have asked for two better players to showcase it as well. I mean, Ferris is such a classy ball striker. Move, he moves so eloquently and smoothly around the court. And then you've got uh, former world number one Paul Cole, who brings a, a totally different but still very impressive dynamic uh, to the game. So to have the two of them showcasing it, uh, for the IOC chairman, that that was a really uh, that was really great for the game. No doubt he uh, he enjoyed that. Um, now, just in terms of uh, growing the game, you mentioned uh, that you were in uh, at the AGM, I think, uh, for the World Squash uh, Federation recently, and that was, uh, I guess, the the big theme. So, just in terms of general takeaways, uh, what did you take away from that uh, that meeting uh, uh, as as far as World Squash Federations? Uh, vision for growing the game. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm also the World Squash Federation's uh, vice president, and uh, I'm in the board for, for uh, I've been in the board for the last couple of the de- uh, couple of years. And, how did, how did uh, I miss that? I, I should have mentioned that in the intro. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, we've been working really hard with uh, with me and and the board uh, led by uh, uh, Zina. She's 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 an amazing person. She's she's working very very hard to to grow the sport and uh, we've done a lot in the, in the couple of in the last couple of years uh, uh, and yeah in the in the in the last AGM last week in, in India where we had very very fruitful uh, meetings and and conference uh, for four days and then I think uh, we as WSF we have introduced a couple of new events uh, one of them is uh, world championship under 23. Which is a totally new uh, event, uh, and we believe that that this event will help a lot all the the, the players that have uh, ended their junior careers after the uh, they reached nine, 19 years old. They find they find them themselves uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, whether they they quit the sport or uh, they go in the in the PSA road, uh, and it's it's a very tough road, you know, to to. To go in the PSA while you're still 19 or 20, but to 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 have this uh, under 23 event, it gives 
the, the players uh, three to four more years under the spotlights where they can get uh, sponsorships, they can get uh, a fund from the governments so that uh, when they're 23, they are already an, on, on solid ground so they can compete uh, on the PSA uh, tour. So this is one of the of the events that we have introduced in, in this AGM and we got uh, full support from all nations that, that this event is, is, is very helpful for, for all the players. And the other event is the, the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Cup was... Uh, last played was in 2011. It was in India. It was a very, very successful event again. And uh, we will start it, we started it again. In, it's going to be in India in 2023, next year. And it's going to have a different format. It's going to be a mixture between men and women in the same event. Mm-hmm. So this is something I think uh, uh, the spectators are, are so looking forward to, 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 uh, to witness and to, to watch the the, the the, the event and I think yeah, these couple of uh, of events uh, I think will will make a huge difference for for uh, for squash in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's really exciting. Especially, the, uh, I mean, obviously the World Cup sounds amazing. Uh, it's going to bring it's going to add some some more excitement to the game. But the under twenty three uh, sounds exciting because, as you mentioned, a lot of times when juniors uh, when they leave the the junior and start start playing senior squash, it becomes a bit overwhelming so you can bridge that gap can't it uh, can help bridge that gap maybe if other federations across the globe have something similar within their national uh, uh, program as well then that that can that can help build on what you're trying to do there yeah yeah for sure and um just one final thing um uh, kareem uh, people uh, they they look to Egypt and they they look to they look with envy and they say look uh, look at the growth of game three nine hundred juniors in one event uh, with, I was just talking about Kenzie and uh, and the flying daft they had eighty juniors here and they were very excited about that but we're look we look to Egypt with envy in terms of growing the game is uh, is the dynamic in Egypt in terms of squash is it something that's completely different that uh, that we can't apply. Uh, that we can't uh, just copy paste, or is there something there that you feel uh, maybe the rest of the world can, in some way, try to implement? As I mentioned, uh, open squash. Uh, there, I think I can see what they're trying to do, and it's something similar to what you're doing at Wadi Degla. Well, I think that the the strength in uh, in Egypt, I think, also the beside of having the, the best facilities and the best coaches, maybe, and the, and and, and um, the popularity of uh, of squash in Egypt, I think, is also the the parents, the parents' support. I I, I don't think uh, this support is uh, is anywhere else in the world because uh, uh, the parents are, are are so into squash and they are so keen, you know, to let the, their kids uh, uh, go and train uh, three four hours a day and. Uh, Sometimes they skip uh, school because of the, of mm-hmm. a tournament or something like that. So uh, having this this support from uh, from the parents uh, uh, since the very early age, I think it's something uh, that that helps a lot uh, growing the game in in Egypt. And without this, I think I, I think uh, the sport will would die. But yeah, I think this is the the the, the strength that that is in Egypt that is not uh, anywhere else in the world. Besides, why of, you, of course, why do you think uh, that is? So? Well, I mean, I'm a parent, and uh, you know, I'd love my my kids are in university now, so it's a bit late. But uh, why do you think that is? Uh, why do you think parents are so 
supportive of their children playing squash? Is it something that you, as a, you know, at Wadi Degla and the other clubs around uh, Egypt, is it something that they're doing there that, that, uh, that's exciting for parents uh, to, to bring them and let their kids just uh, play squash all day after school? Yeah, I think one of the one of the reasons because they they believe uh, they believe of the with the story. You know, there's a story. There's a successful story uh, started with with Ahmed Barada being on on top. Then uh, our generation, me and Shabana, and then Rami and Shorbagi, and all, all these successful uh, players and successful gen- uh, uh, generations. So so they believe that uh, that squash is 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 a kind of an Egyptian. Uh, uh, sport and um, it's it's maybe an easier uh, to uh, to achieve in, in squash than any other sports uh, because of the names that I've mentioned and because of the success story that uh, that started uh, maybe 20 years ago so yeah they, they believe in it and uh, it's becoming very popular uh, squash in Egypt maybe it's, it's the the second most popular sport after uh, football so yeah, it's 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 becoming very big, and uh, yeah, parents are are supporting uh, their kids, and uh, they 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 believe that their kids they they might be world champions uh, one day. Amazing. Well, uh, well, Kareem, I just want to thank you again so much. I uh, really enjoyed chatting with you about all of this stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I've had to stop myself from interrupting you uh, several times here today. Uh, but want to wish you all the best with everything, all the best with your tournament there, 900 juniors. That's absolutely incredible. And uh, I hope to have you back again uh, on this podcast one day in the future. Yeah, thank you so much, Jerry. For, uh, it, was, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Well, many thanks to Kareem. What a great episode. That was episode 239. And uh, I think uh, it might go without saying that Kareem is one of the most uh, influential figures in the game of squash today. I'd say just in terms of, you know, what he's doing in terms of the growth of the game in Egypt, but also all of the different platforms that he's taking part in, you know, as VP of the World Squash Federation. And I think he's doing a lot Uh, more outside of that that we don't see behind the scenes and he's very influential and and extremely uh, busy working hard at growing the game so uh, all the best to him going forward and I hope he keeps up uh, the good fight 900 juniors at an At a junior event, unheard of. I've never heard of that before. Really, really well done uh, for Kareem and his team at the Wadi Degla uh, Squash Academies there in Egypt. And I just want to touch on the New Zealand Open, which just uh, which just wrapped uh, up. And uh, congratulations to uh, Joel King and the Beast, Mohamed El Sherbagi. Great to see them emerge uh, victorious in New Zealand, especially Joel uh, for winning on home soil, uh, and also because she she struggled a little bit uh, to get to that type of form where she's going to be contending uh, for titles in the women's game. We really want to see her back. She does have uh, the ability to to compete at that very high highest level and uh, maybe this is a step in that direction so we hope to see her back contending at the women's uh, game at the highest level right now obviously we've got uh, uh, Noran Gohar at the top uh, Norel Shabini, Haniel Hamami, Norel Taiva it's very tight up there she should be up there as well Amanda Sobi uh, no they've had some battles over over the years uh, Sarah Jane Perry, Gina Kennedy all those girls extremely tight up there uh, in the women's game but uh, to get through to that top three or top four uh, Joelle uh, does have the ability and has demonstrated she can do it in the past but um, 
Uh, hopefully this is a step back in that uh, in the right direction and just in terms of uh, Mohammed al-Shirbagi I mean he just continues to prove uh, people wrong and to impress uh, with a squash what an impressive victory that was over world number two uh, Paul Cole and it's uh, going to be an interesting 2023 uh, hopefully Ali's uh, Ali's injury Ali Farag's injury won't keep him out for too long and there are so many players that uh, that you know who could end up claiming that top spot uh, in 2023 and holding on to it. Um, but uh, how many of us out there, how many people out there besides uh, Jamie Maddox actually uh, would have thought that Mohamed Al-Shabag would be one of those contending for that top spot because he certainly is. He's got some momentum right now, some self-belief, and I think he's going to take that into the next few events and into 2023, and he's certainly going to be one of those contending for that top spot. In my book, uh, if Mustafa... Uh, Asal can avoid any on-court issues. He's got to be the the odds-on favorite to uh, take over uh, the number one spot and hold on to it for a while there in 2023. But again, uh, you've got guys like Diego Elias, uh, obviously Paul Cole, who's going to want to get that that back. He's had a bit. He struggled a little bit to reach that form or or to to reach the. Con- sort of consistency of winning at the you know at the semifinal and in the finals when he gets there so hopefully he'll uh, find his way again I'm sure uh, Rob Owen will have uh, will be working hard with him and we'll find a way if anyone's going to uh, it's Rob's and then there are a few others who could uh, who could move up as well and spoil the party I mean you've got guys you know Joel Macon uh, he's certainly uh, a guy who could who could lift his game and find himself contending at the very highest level. Victor Quinn has proved that he's ready to make that uh, next move. Will he be able to, to take it to the very highest level? We'll have to see. And there are several others. Abdullah Al-Tamimi has been playing well. Uh, you've got guys like Ferris Tosuki who has, uh, in my opinion, I mean, he just so talented but uh, can he uh, put together a tournament and can he remain uh, as physically strong that uh, in a way that he needs to be to finish a tournament and, and win a few of those consistently uh, that's the difference of between between where he is now and where he needs to be to get to uh, the top spot in my estimation but uh, some exciting stuff uh, moving forward and also I hope you've enjoyed the the last few episodes here on the podcast exciting stuff there and exciting stuff going forward here as well many thanks to everybody for listening and all the best uh, to you to you and your health and with your families all the best with your squash as well take care and we'll be talking to you very soon goodbye now